Welcome to the Wellness Connection with Fiona Kane. This podcast aims to provide inspiration and education, begin discussions and explore various aspects and strategies around life and wellness. As an experienced nutritionist, holistic counsellor and mind-body eating coach and a woman experiencing my own life and health issues, I have my own unique experiences and approach to these topics. I'm also open to learning. Join me and we can explore these topics together. Welcome to the Wellness Connection Podcast with Fiona Kane. I'm your host, Fiona Kane, and today I'm going to be talking to you about a strategy that I learned from Elizabeth Gilbert, who is an author, and um, a few years ago she she wrote about this, I think I first saw it in, on her social media, and then she later wrote it in her book, I think the book was called, just checking, I think it might have been yeah, Big Magic was the book. So she had a, a book called Big Magic. And this is a strategy that she uses. And she essentially calls it you know, making friends with fear. I refer to it as a road trip and you'll, you'll get why in a moment when I explain it to you. But essentially, when we're embarking on something new that we have some fear around, uh, we have those voices in our head, you know, those voices in our head that say, what are you doing this for? You can't do this. You might fail. Whatever it is that the voices are saying. When we embark on a, on on um, on anything that we're doing, where we have this fear come up, it's about it's about managing that fear. It's about managing those voices. Um, you would have seen it in. Uh, I'm always talking about music. I know uh, you'll have to get used to it. If you don't like that, sorry, but that's what I do. Uh, but Ren, Hi Ren. Uh, so Ren song, Hi Ren, which I talked about in an episode sort of way back. Um, he was. Uh, talk, he, he was doing that sort of to and fro between the different parts of himself in in his um, video. So it was, it was you know, the sort of good side, bad side, dark light, you know, the, the, the side that's sort of healing and trying to overcome and do well and the side that is sort of saying, who do you think you are? You can't do that, that kind of thing, right? And essentially there's fear behind that, whatever that side is. They're trying – there's often a fear base to it or, or whatever's going on with that side anyway – it's generally not helpful. So anyway, getting back to uh, Liz, Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote this sort of great thing around fear and what she does. And she does this in regards to writing because she says that when she embarks on, you know, writing a new book, she sort of starts to get the voices come up in her head. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you can do this? You know, what makes you special? Blah, 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 whatever it is, right? So that's her version of it, but this could be around most things in life I think really when we have fear around doing something and we've got those voices in our head trying to tell us that we can't do it or we're not good enough or whatever it is. So so she refers to it as making friends with fear and it's it's the road trip and what she does is she sort of says okay so this new project that she's doing she calls it the road trip we're going on a trip right. So when I, when I say we I'm referring to just all the parts of you because we've got all different parts of us. We've got the you know the inner child and and you know the 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 kind of um the more authority figure and maybe the one that comes in and says eh, who do you think you are? All the different parts, right? So we just got parts of ourselves, and uh, and they all play a role. Um, and some people hear them more than others, and it's more of an issue. But essentially, they they play a role, and it's understanding how to um, manage those parts. Uh, I'm not talking about severe mental illness with different parts. That's a whole different story and that's some, you know, obviously people have to get help for that. But I am talking about, and I don't mean to make make fun of that either. That's not, um, not, not my point. But 
what I'm talking about is the average person and just all the different parts we have going on in our mind, all the different voices we've got going on in our mind because we all have a different version of that. So that's what I'm referring to here. So in regards to that, she says, so she talks about it like she's planning a road trip and they're all going together. But she's very clear and I'm going to be reading the words here because um, she said she came up with this long ago, helped to get, get rid of her fear around things. Well, not really get rid of it, but manage her fear because people sort of say things like get rid of your fear. You can't really get rid of your fear. Um, I think the the saying, I'm not quite sure who said it, but the feel the fear and do it anyway is probably more apt. Like, you just, yeah, you're going to feel it, but do it anyway. Um if it's something sensible, not if it, you know, not if it's something silly. But anyway, what she said is, uh, when she's going into this fear and when she's going to plan on this trip, she says to so she's talking to her part. She's calling it fear. So you, whatever you this part of you, whatever you call it. But what she says to fear is that okay, we're going on a trip, and of course you can come, you can be on the trip. And yes, I will hear you. So, you know, you listen to all the, all the parts and yes, I will hear you. I will listen to you. So having a respect for fear because fear is often, you know, fear can be the thing that it, it can be useful as well. Of course, it, can, it might be the thing that sort of tells you that intuition that, oh, you know, maybe you do have to be fearful in this moment. Maybe there's something to be concerned about. It's, you know, fear has its place. So it's not about never having fear because if you're fearless, then you, you do really really, really silly things, right? Uh, so fear does have its place. So it's about respecting that it has its place and being respectful of it, but also putting it in its place. So what she says is, yep, we're going on this trip. You can come too. I'm happy to listen to you. However, you're sitting in the back seat. And she sort of says, okay, sit in the back seat. You're not going to control the songs on the radio or the whatever device people use these days, but you're not controlling the music. You're not controlling the navigation. You're not even going to select the snacks. <laughs> not allowed to select. You know, not not allowed to suggest detours. None of that. So it's welcome in the van or the car, um, and it can be there. But it's not going to. You're not going to plan everything around it. It's just going to be along for the journey. And then what happens? Is and she and she says here, I do not exile any of the parts of myself along the creative journey. Okay, so you're not exiling any part of yourself, you're not disrespecting any part of yourself, but you pop fear in the back seat. Fear is not controlling the car, and uh, then you just get on with the journey, right? So it's not about cutting the parts of us that are there to they have a protective mechanism or whatever it is. Um, it's not about cutting them out. It actually just is about having a respectful what their place is and what their place isn't, you know. So um, and, and, it, and another way, a, a similar topic, a similar thing is uh, I was talking to one of my clients recently and what we were talking about is, you know, when we have different parts of ourselves take over. So when we go into fear, one of the things that can happen is the child takes over. So we go into fear and the defiant child comes out and the defiant child says, oh, I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to and I'm just going to sit here and eat chocolate and whatever the defiant child says they're going to do, right? Uh, and that the defiant child is there usually due to fear. There's some sort of fear and the defiant child has come out and I won't, I won't say usually, I'll say often because I, I can't cover everything obviously. I'm just having general discussions about this stuff. But um, 
But when that is the case, you know there's some fear around something. And when you know there's some fear around something, that's when you kind of make friends with your fear and you say, okay, I know you're here, uh, you know, that's fine. Jump in the back seat, we need to go. But you don't let the child drive the car, you don't let the fear drive the car. The person who drives the car is the adult in the room. So it's it's kind of with all of the different things that go on for us and all of the different mindsets and the different um, struggles that we have in our mind. So having an awareness around who's driving the car and who's not driving the car. So you can include include the different parts of yourself, the different fears and whatever else it is, but that's not, the child's not driving the car, the fear's not driving the car, you're in charge, you're on the driver's seat. So in life, I think it's a lot about ensuring that you stay in the driver's seat, uh, but also not being so rigid, you know, harking back to uh, talking about um about Ren's spoken word thing after Hi Ren, which I've talked about a few times now because it's, I think I will talk about it several more times because there's so much in it. But in, in that he's talking about, you know, being soft versus being rigid. And um, and I think that softening will, it is, it is where you say, yes, we can all be in the car together. However, I'm going to be in the driver's seat. Uh, whereas rigidity is uh, we can't share or, or I have to pretend I'm not fearful or whatever it is. So it's about sort of embracing what is actually there. There's fear there, whatever's going on. Uh, but you can embrace a fear, but it still it doesn't drive. So I think it's just about if you understand, because I think that sometimes what happens is when we go, go into the fear or have these different parts arise in ourselves, we don't have the tools or we don't know how to find our way out of it. And one way of finding your way out of it is actually just understanding that it is just a part of you and it plays a role, embracing it, but you can embrace it without putting it in a driver's seat, the same as you would for your child. <laughs> you embrace your child, care for your child, look after your child, listen to your child, but you don't stick them in the driver's seat, well, at least not till they're an age that they're <laughs> the age where they're supposed to be in the driver's seat. You know what I'm t- trying to say. So anyway, I just thought that was really useful. It's, it's basically, it's uh, making friends with fear. It's the road trip. And, uh, and it's essentially that conversation you have with yourself when you're embarking on something new or different, or when you feel the fear coming up. So yeah, you can come fear, you can come with me, but, uh, you're not driving, not controlling the radio, not controlling the nav man or whatever <laughs> device you use to uh, find where you're going. Uh, you know, you're not suggesting any changes to which way we're going, you know, um, and, you know, you're not, you're not even getting the snacks, but you'll be there and we, uh, we, we love you, we embrace you, but uh, not driving, okay? So I thought that that was a really, really useful strategy. The other thing that I wanted to bring up today that, and I just checked my notes because I got, that was it. Yeah. So one of the things, oh, and actually I'll just finish up in talking about fear. I'm just going to talk about one other aspect too. And then I'll just tell you about this other thing that I saw the other day. So the other thing in regards to fear is if I can get my brain. Yeah, right. It's something I actually talked about in uh, a recent episode that I recorded with Daniel Monday, a personal trainer. So you pop back, I think it might be the one before this episode and see that. But we were talking about this and we were talking about how we have a fear of failure and we were talking about how it's really, really interesting that um, that in we don't have it, like so babies don't have it, right? So 
and I have discussed this before in different ways, but I think it's just worth bringing up again, is, you know, we're human beings, we are born, um, we're not born with a neural pathway that allows us to walk. A giraffe is, and I think dogs, and I know most, I think animals are because they, most of them don't have time where they can't be walking. So for the most part, a lot of animals are born already with a neural pathway in their brain that allows them to walk. Human beings are not. So we're born um, with the propensity to learn how to do it, but we, we can't do it yet. And essentially everything that baby does from sort of when it first can, has enough strength in its neck to even hold its own head up to like when it starts literally like lifting its head up and then the baby starts kind of maybe um, roll, like they put them on their tummy and they roll over or they, put them on the, you know, they roll and move and they move their arms and legs and, you know, all of the different actions they do uh, allow the neural pathways to develop in their brain to allow them to learn how to walk. And I've talked about those pathways before and creating pathways to habits and things. Same thing. We need to create the neural pathway into that habit so that it becomes a natural thing for us. But what we do, uh, so with babies, if you've ever watched a baby from when they're born to learning how to walk, uh, there's a lot in between that, right? There's lots of stages. And the amount of times, if you counted how many times they got up and fell down, you know, stumbled and fell and all the rest of it, you thousands and thousands of times I would imagine right and what we don't do with babies we don't say oh you're going to fall over we, let's just sit you down we don't want that to happen you know you don't do that because you know that it's actually really really healthy for that baby to fall over a thousand times as long as it's safe where it's falling over but you know it's really really healthy that baby's supposed to fall over a thousand times that's how it's building its neural pathways and that's how it gets success it gets success because it falls over a million times and um, um, and so we understand that concept, like babies understand the concept. They're not worried. <laughs> they're, just, they're not worried about, oh, what if I fall over? It would be really embarrassing and no one's going to talk to me and I might fail anyway, so maybe I shouldn't do it. You know, <laughs> So baby's not concerned about it. And us as adults are not concerned about it with the baby, or we shouldn't be anyway, as long as the baby's in a safe space to fall over, right? But as we get older, somewhere along the way, there's a time where suddenly it it becomes really a lot of fear base around failing and it's like you can't afford to fail and 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 you know uh, and what if someone sees you fail or what what if you don't make it or whatever um you know and it really impedes our progress because you literally need to be able to fail so you can succeed and you only have to read any autobiography <laughs> to find out that uh none of the people who've succeeded have not failed in anything they have failed and a lot of them have failed many many times and as i said in another episode uh, i think um wd40 was because it took 40 times to get the recipe right so i think you know it could have been wd45 wd37 whatever it was just how many times so they had to do it 39 times wrong before they did the 40th time they got it right okay so that goes for many, 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 many things, probably all things, right? Nothing is ever right the first time. You know, great singers were not born singing beautifully, uh, even if you have a talent for it. They had to learn to be a great singer, great guitarist, great whatever. Okay, so whatever we do, golfer, you know, football, whatever, you you learn to, you might have a talent, but you get good at it by being prepared to be bad at it a lot for a really, really, really long time and then in time you get good at it, right? So um, that's just a reminder for everyone that um, that we, we do let our fears get in the way sometimes and we do need to um, embrace our fears more uh, but also put them in the, you know, embrace them, understand they're there for a reason, um, let them in the car, 
in the back seat, and um, but still be be allowed to and prepared to fail as many times as you need to to have that success, right? So I think it's a really, really important message sort of in life and in health and in lots of things. So um, so I thought that was just really, really useful, a really, really useful strategy. So the other thing I did want to talk to you about today, um, and it was something that I saw on um, on a video the other day on a on a podcast. So uh, I, I recently read a book by Constantin Kisson, and um, and he is in a podcast called Trigonometry. I listen to all different podcasts and political this that and everything. And this particular podcast, what he was referring to, I, I sorry I can't remember which episode it was. I listened to so many, but it was a recent episode. And this is um, more on the topic that I was talking about a few weeks ago, where I was actually talking about you. You know, you see what you look for. So that's that, that thing that um, it's really a lot of the themes of what I talk about on this podcast are about how much your narrative, how much your story, uh, how much what you believe uh, controls what you see. Uh, you kind of you seeing what you're looking for, and. Um, what he uh, said in this podcast, he was actually referring to some sort of study that was done. And I don't have the details of the study, so I'm just referring to what Constantine said. But he said that um, there was a study done where there was a group of women, it probably wasn't a large study, I wouldn't imagine for something like this, but there was a group of women that were um, given the, the – so the study was we're going to uh, draw – uh, we're using makeup to draw scars on their faces, right, to make them look uh, scarred. And then they were going to go for job interviews. And the idea was that they were supposed to assess whether or not, you know, it was whether or not people were, whether or not people discriminated against people who had scars, right? So they were looking for, is there discrimination against people who look that way? And um, and so they were telling the women that that's what we're looking for. We're looking to see if there's discrimination. We're going to put this scar on you, go to the job interview, and you come back and tell us if you feel like they're discriminated against you or not. So they drew all these scars on these women's faces and so the women sort of saw all these scars. And then when they were about to go for the interview, uh, just before they left the room, they would say, hey, look, we've just got to touch it up. And when they touched it up, they actually removed the scar so that it went back to their normal face. But the women didn't know this because the women weren't in front of the mirror at this point in time. So the women went into the interview believing they had a terrible scar on their face. And they reported that there was discrimination. They reported there was all these different things where they read they referred to, oh, the person said this or the person said that. Uh, and they they saw all of it as being related to the fact that they had this scar on their face, right? So they actually went in there believing that people would probably be um, discriminatory towards them because of their scars. And they came out with absolute confirmation of it, except they didn't have the scars. So it is really, really powerful what you believe to be true. And we do seek that sort of confirmation bias or that confirmation of what we believe to be true. So we do go around and sort of if we think people are out to get us or if we think people are discriminating against us and all that, we see it everywhere. Now, I'm not saying discrimination never happens or any of those things don't happen. Of course they do. We are humans and it's flawed world. However, the amount of that actually happens and the amount 
that we believe happens, I think, are two different things. And uh, I, and, I, and there's that sort of whole um, where you focus your energy and what you believe to be true and what you see and what you keep putting out into the world is kind of what keeps coming back to you. And if what you put out to the world is the world's inherently terrible place and people are mean and terrible and out to get me and they're discriminating against me and they don't like me for whatever the feature is or the thing is, you will see confirmation of that over and over and over again. Uh, And if you believe that, um, you know, inherently most people mean well, most people are well-intentioned because I do believe that. I know there's bad people but most people are well-intentioned and um, and that whatever it is going on for you is not going to get in the way and people aren't going to discriminate. Largely that's what you'll experience. I'm not saying there's no change on the edges, there's no none of it happening. Of course there is. So this is not me saying that people aren't discriminated against and that, um, that terrible things don't happen. Absolutely they do. However, what you believe about it has a really big impact on it and has a really big impact maybe on um, how often that experience happens for you. And if you believe that the person was intentionally out to get you or if the person was just having a bad day, they're very different ways of looking at the world. And so one, you will see, again, you will see confirmation over and over. If you're looking for beauty, you'll see confirmation of that most of the time. And if you're looking for bad stuff, you'll see confirmation of that most of the time and the truth is it it is all there there's all parts of it so it's not about pretending it's all great and it's all wonderful and there's sunshine roses and unicorns it's also though not sort of saying it's all dark bad and terrible because neither of those things are true both are true and there's a balance however we tend to see and we tend to find what we really believe is there so I just thought that was a really powerful uh, study and there's, there's been so many different studies over the years and uh, that um, that show that, that that what we believe is really really powerful. Even when you look at drug studies, when they do like placebos and things like that, that um, if we believe something to be true, it becomes true for us. Uh, so just be really really aware of of what you believe to be true, because what you believe to be true, your stories, your narrative, uh, really does paint the picture of your life. And um, and I'm not saying that everything that happens to people is their own fault. I'm not saying that at all. A lot of life happens to us. But your journey journey along the way, how you respond to it uh, and how how you manage it overall, a lot, a lot of difference can be made with the way we approach it is all I'm trying to say. All right. So anyway, I think I might leave it there. I think my voice is going now anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I just, all I like to do here is share with you different concepts I've heard, different concepts I've learned, what I've experienced with clients, what I've experienced myself. I don't pretend to know it all or have all the right answers or be right about everything either. Um, like I say, this is just a conversation, but I hope that uh, you benefit, you've learned something from it. And um, I'm always happy to hear your views as well. So thanks for tuning in today, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or Rumble or you're listening uh, on uh, any of the uh, podcast platforms. And please, please, please like, subscribe, share all of the things. It is really, really important um, for me to have people find out about my show. So um, it makes a big difference for a small business owner when, uh, when you get out there and people hear more about what you're saying and what you're doing. And if you feel like there's value in it, please do share because um, other people might find value in it as well. Anyway, thank you so much. I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe and share to help me reach more people. Go to the link in show notes for more information about my services. And until next time, please keep showing up for yourself.